G'day guys and welcome to another episode of the Coach Mark Carroll podcast. I think this is episode six, right Sheridan? Mm-hmm. Six. Wow, we've made it this far. <laughs> I thought it'd last about six seconds, so we've done pretty well. Six more episodes than I was ever expecting to do, but <laughs> look at us go. All right, guys. So today's podcast is going to be on a topic which I'm obviously pretty passionate about, and it is going to be the problem with influencer workouts and basically what you really see on social media really influences what you think is the real world with training and nutrition. But for the most part, what you see is not just, you often see people say, oh, Instagram's just a highlight reel of people's lives and stuff like that. They put up their wins and share that. But with Instagram, in terms of training on Instagram, it's not even the wins that you're seeing. You're just seeing people make up things for your engagement. They want you to see their page the more catchy or more interesting or different a post is on Instagram, what does that do? It makes you stay and watch and then you get they get more views, they get more engagement and things like that. So for Sharon and myself, both being coaches and coaches of women and stuff like that, we, we see a lot of different things on social media, some good, some bad. But the big thing I really notice as a coach is that a lot of the things that actually really matter, you see very little of, mm -hmm. and the things that don't matter all that much are what really, really get pushed. Do you find that as well, Sheridan? Yeah, definitely. And I think it just, you know, really speaks to the fact that you've sort of, you, you know, what you've highlighted that Instagram, the, the design of Instagram is to capture people's attention as quickly as possible and keep it. And that doesn't always mean that it's aligning with, you know, providing uh, content that's actually valuable to people and that will actually help them. So I find the, the biggest challenge with Instagram is that, you know, you see a lot of these, uh, you know, accounts that post a lot of workouts and I am all for, you know, moving your body the way that it feels good for you and make, you know, movement is movement, right? But if we're thinking about what is truly optimal in, you know, training and developing your physique, the basics always win out. So when you see, you know, um, accounts that post a different workout every single day and every single week, nine times out of 10, you can guarantee that that's not actually the program that that influencer is following because the basics are pretty boring, but the basics win, right? Yeah, so with that, I've kind of got a bit of a story. So a lot of you, I guess, are newer to my page, my audience. Um, but a couple of years ago, three, four years ago, almost four years ago now, and three years ago, I was actually training a lot of very big name people in the fitness industry. Um, I think at one stage I had about five or six um, women who had over a million followers on Instagram and fitness and stuff like that. Some you guys know and seen and some behind the scenes. And why I'm telling you this is because for their programs, they're all very advanced women, lifters and stuff like that. For their programs, and this is why I just kind of want to explain Instagram to you, is that, you know, I'm not going to mention names and stuff like that, but, you know, they would have their training program through me, their basics, they'll 
I'd squat, I'd hip thrust, I'd deadlift or whatever, and I'd train them. But then their content, their content reflected nothing that they were doing in their session. And what I used to ask them was, oh, so um, did you not do your session today? Because then I'd do a post with all these crazy exercises. And like, no, of course. And they would send me their workout. And then they'd say, well, no, I did your workout, but then I go to the, the gym two, three times a week for an hour and I just film content. And the thing is, is that I film content of these crazy exercises because me posting my squad or deadlift doesn't get any likes and engagement or comments. Mm-hmm. I have to post a lot of this kind of different stuff for people to engage in my page and grow my audience. And so this is something I want people to understand that, I always get when I kind of talk negatively about an exercise, oh, but she does this exercise and look at her, look how she looks and stuff like that. And, oh, you called out this exercise and this person's did that and look at their body up. Thing is, I know, because unlike most people, I've actually trained many, many, many big name people is that a lot of the exercise they post, they're not doing, they're posting because they know it will go well on their page. And I've got nothing against them doing that because they're trying to build their brand and whatnot. Mm. But I also know firsthand that the exercise they are actually doing are not often the ones they're posting on social media to get your attention. The ones they're doing are the ones that I always talk about. And I see this firsthand as a coach. The ones they post are to get engagement and to be seen, to grow their audience. But the thing is, is that people who aren't aware and understand this think that they must then be doing all these crazy 10 different cable glute variations and Mm. whatnot and these five different bands around their knees on the stepper and and stuff because they have an amazing body. But the thing is they're not actually doing that when the camera is off, they're actually doing the basic kind of um, well-known exercise. I talk about all the time. That's what they're doing in their own training. They're just filming stuff to get your engagement. That's what I guess, you know, you people always say like, you know, Hollywood and movies are not real, you know, like, (laughs) still like love Bruce Willis and stuff like that like you know he's not like a actual like he's just a movie star he's not an actual action you know superhero they're just playing a role and that's how you often see in fitness is that in Instagram even though it's meant to be the real world often what you see it's just playing a part to get your attention yeah, for sure. So I think the the real point of us really sharing this to you guys is that don't get distracted by what you see on Instagram um, because it, it is a highlight reel and, you know, not everyone is trying to provide you value that is really going to help you. So my question to you, Mark, is what are your favourite influencer booty movements? Slash, slash your least favorite <laughs> the ones that like you look at and you're like why <laughs> why so I'm all for creativeness like I'm all for kind of trying to make something that's good better that's like what we've had in life we always we evolve <laughs> into where we are in life off ideas and we form ideas and we make them a little bit better and bit better and bit better the issue of is with a lot of the stuff you see on social media is actually making good things far worse and there's no real Mm. logic behind them so anytime you're kind of putting a band around your knees on exercise like hip extension exercise hinges so like say you're doing an rdl and you've got a band around your knees or say you're doing say glute dominant leg press and you got a band around your knees Mm. or even a hip thrust you got a band around your knees which granted i used to do four or five years ago um until I learn a lot more. The problem with that is 
is that people think adding a secondary resistance. So you've got the resistance from hip extension, like the barbell, and then you add a second um, resistance around your knees, which is a lateral resistance. So people think like one plus one equals two, but it's not actually the case. It's not one plus one equals two. You're not adding something um, positive. You're actually making the movement more inefficient. So by, let's say, if you're doing a hip hinge, so you want to think that that resistance is basically up and down vertical. So you're trying to drive your hips forward. Um, so the resistance is coming straight down. You're trying to drive your hips up and through to challenge your glute max. Now, if you add a band around your knees and you're forcing your knees to drive outwards, that now means you're not only focusing on that vertical resistance, you're also focusing on a lateral resistance. So what it does is it doesn't mean, oh man, I'm making this exercise better by giving me two things to focus on. You're actually making it inefficient because you're A, um, having to focus on something away from the main resistance, which makes it harder to do. But then you're also going to take a lot of weight away from what you're capable of doing um, on the actual muscles you're trying to train. So any movement like that where people adding something which doesn't actually work in synergy what you're doing you're not complementing the movement you're actually mm -hmm. making it worse and that's something people don't understand and then i think the biggest thing is you get oh but i feel it i feel it so <laughs> feeling is a bad way to go about stuff because a you don't really know what you're feeling so if i asked you many people um what their piriformis is 99% of people I'd say have, would have no idea what the piriformis is, mm. but say if we're doing a seated machine abduction or a seated banded bent leg abduction, the main muscle you're actually training is your piriformis muscle. So your piriformis muscle runs laterally beneath your glutes. And that is actually the muscle you're training. It's not a glute muscle, but that's actually what's getting a lot of the tension, say when you're doing a seated bent knee abduction but people go i feel my glutes what are they feeling they're feeling actually the muscle sitting under your glutes which actually has no um, relevance to actually uh, um, if that grows grows larger that actually doesn't influence how your glutes look mm. but people will say oh, i'm feeling it i'm feeling it they don't actually understand that they're not feeling what they think they're feeling and people get really really confused about this so big issue is confusing um feeling something which actually isn't what they're feeling and then also my adding a secondary resistance which actually is not complementing what your objective is so if you're trying to load up your rdl or hip thrust and then you put a band around your knees you're actually then going to have to substantially take weight off the bar this is mm -hmm. not then the goal of the those exercises was to train the glute max now you're decreasing the load being used, which means you're decreasing how much resistance you're pushing to the key objective of the, of the um, program. So that's the, of the exercise, sorry. So that's kind of what, for me, my main thing, it's not like there's some really stupid exercises, but it's when people try to make something better and are actually just not quite understanding they're actually making it worse. Yeah, it's kind of like, don't fix what's not broke, right? And I think yeah, it, so yeah, go. it's it's one of those things where where I think people just think, well, I'm not getting the glute growth I'm, I want, 
and I'm doing these basics, but they're not growing, but mm. they're, they're not doing, they're not all that developed at the basics. So if you've got a 50 kilo hip thrust and you're saying, yeah, they're not growing. Well, yeah, you just need to get stronger. You need to give it time. Mm. And I'm sure for yourself working with clients, you see that majority of clients really just even people who you'd think would actually have quite a bit of a base, they still just have so much development in them of just doing the basics. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when we're, I think that we've sort of got into this place where, you know, a lot of people talk about progressive overload. And one of the main drivers we thought of, you know, progressive overload was always adding weight to the bar. And of course, you know, adding weight to the bar is certainly an aspect of progressive overload, but not at the expense of technique. Because when you think of the muscles that you're actually trying to train, you want to be training those muscles specifically. So when you start adding too much weight to the bar or you, you know, start doing all of these weird slash crazy things, you're actually taking the tension away from the muscles that we're intending to grow. So that's a mistake that I see often with people. They will add weight and add weight and add weight, and they're not actually moving efficiently through that movement. And then you have them, okay, let's strip the weight back. Let's relearn that movement pattern. And all of a sudden they start seeing those results with time. Of course, muscle takes time, but that's one of the mistakes that I see. And other mistakes that I see are, you know, people dieting constantly, but they want to grow their glutes or they want to grow their quads, but they're living in a deficit. So obviously building muscle is a very expensive metabolic process and you need calories to do that. Yeah. The hard thing again is a lot of people, you know, they're on social media and they see their people who influence what they want to look like. They see people who are body goals and whatnot, and they're often been training for 10, 15 years and they're, mm-hmm. they're super strong, but they're also lean or they have guys have abs and shredded year round or the woman has big glutes and abs and stuff like that. But for a lot of the times that they've been training for years, they've going, they've done the base work well before social media even existed and they have that foundation and then, so what happens is new lifters come and want to look like that. And they go, well, she's got big glutes and she's super lean. I want to look like that. Mm-hmm. So they kind of try to do a bit of everything. Well, I can't, I want build, I want to really need to build big glutes, but I also want to look like her and she's shredded. So I can't dare put any body fat on because I'm already not super shredded. So therefore I can't eat too much because I can't put body fat on because then I won't have abs like her. But then I also want to build big glutes like her but I can't eat to support those those Mm. goals either so they get kind of caught in that no man's land of not doing anything well and that's the other thing is that I see and people come to social media and then they want to build their own account and stuff like that and they want to look the part the hard thing now is like people want to look the part and stuff like that and they document everything they do every single day to create content but they're also scared to not look perfect force mm. their, their photos their content they can't oh my i can't po- do photo shoots if i'm too too heavy i have too much weight or whatever so therefore i can't build and gain the muscle i want because then it's going to impact all my audience think and stuff like that and that's a hard thing because you know 10 15 years ago no one had social media so you just what would happen is you'd train and train and train and then when you got an amazing shape someone might do a professional photo shoot and they'd get some photos and, that, and they'd have them for life. <laughs> now everyone yeah. does photo shoots every second day in their home, in their home lounge room, you know? So to create yeah. content, 
But unfortunately, that aspect, again, negatively influences your ability to go, you know what? What would serve me best for my bigger goals is probably to not be super lean and, and support my goals of muscle growth. But that's, again, people get caught in that trap of, they think they have to look a certain way for their content and they can't dare add a little bit of body fat and whatnot. So it then unfortunately then impacts again, their ability to build glutes, which then they think, oh man, so I'm not building glutes. So therefore these basic key exercises I'm doing are not working. So therefore I need to do those crazy exercises because that must be the problem. But the problem often is Hmm. they're just not supporting their, their muscle building goals with optimal nutrition. Yeah, exactly. So what would you say in, you know, as a general consensus, what are some of your uh, go-to exercises when you're thinking about building glutes? So this is going to be probably the most unsexy list in the world for the audience where they're going to be like, that's it. and Frog pumps? That's it. Yeah. So, a thousand frog pumps. <laughs> Every um, day. So, you want to. All right. So, there's three key movement patterns I kind of look at. So, for training our primary glute max, our big, big glute muscle, which is where you should be targeting 95% of your work. So, you've got our hip hinges, so our hip extension exercise. So, when we hinge at the hip, that's going to be exercise like our Romanian deadlift and um, a 45 degree back extension or hip extension. So those exercises are going to be excellent. Same with good morning. And you can look at a conventional deadlift, a floating deadlift, basically your hinge, your hinge deadlift variations. That's kind of your step one. So I always suggest pick one to exercise from that. Secondly, then your bridge or thrust. So obviously when you're um, lying on your back in a supine position. So on your back, drive your hips up. So that's going to be our bridge or thrust. So I've talked about hip thrust, hip thrust, um, dead stops, cast glute bridges, all those movements. They're going to be an excellent for balancing out our hinge with that bridge. And then finally, we have what we call our more knee dominant movement. So knee dominant often sounds like, oh man, so it must be heaps of quads. Not necessarily. It's just going to get more of the knee joint involved. So it's going to be our squats, our lunges, our step-ups, our split squats. Then from a knee-dominant point of view, you can influence how much quad or glute recruitment you um, utilize just by the angle of your lunge or, or how forward you push your knee or how um, much you hinge over at the hip when you're performing those knee-dominant movements. But they're pretty much what I look at. They're, you know, trained... Now, I had a couple world champions in different um, bikini and sports model categories for women and their glutes were strands. I've had lots of pro clients. I've had clients win um, a USA, WBFF USA title last year. Emily King, who won the Australian figure WFF pro, WBFF pro title and stuff like that were amazing glutes. And so all these exercises... I'm saying this is what they use at the best of the best of the best who are the most, you know, body goals for women. Yet too often people think they're above those exercises. They're not doing these crazy exercises you see on social media yet. They just do these various exercises and they get better and better and better at them. And that's, it's just that constant continuation of always trying to get better at them. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like we've almost 
gotten or become really obsessed with, uh, you know, bridge and hip thrust movements, which are, are great movements. But when you're thinking about actually growing your glute and your glute max, we're going to be able to train your glutes through the shortened position and the lengthened position. And I feel that, and I don't know if you see this, but when people are limited for time, I find that they really gravitate towards those thrust movements and they're like, okay, I'm just going to do a shit ton of, you know, glute bridges, um, back extensions, et cetera. But would you agree that if you are limited in time and you're really wanting to get as much out of your glute training as possible, yes, you want to include those in your training, but we probably more so want to focus on those exercises that are really going to train your glutes through the lengthened position. Yeah, so I think what I'll do when you're limited on time is trying to train your glutes through both resistance profiles. So basically a resistance profile is where a um, exercise is hardest. So a hip thrust, cast glute bridge is going to be hardest at the top. So when your glutes are contracting, but you don't need to always just be doing that. So the exercise is... Um, which are going to be more challenging when your glutes are lengthening in the stretch position are going to be like your lunges, split squats, squats, etc. So if I create a workout and it's got two glute exercise in it, my general goal is to balance out a stretch dominant exercise with a shortened um, position focused exercise for glutes. So what that might look like, for example, is on one day they might be doing say a lunge, and a um, 45 degree hip extension. So a 45 degree hip extension is actually hardest on the glutes at the top when they're shortening. And then the lunge will get you that stretch. And then on another day, you might do say a um, squat for the stretch position and then a hip thrust for the shortened position. So that's the way I kind of look at doing it. I think hip thrusts have become extremely popular in the last decade and they've done a lot for get women involved in training. And then I think though, they're a great exercise. I, th I think they're an excellent exercise and most importantly, they're, they're an effective exercise that women also really enjoy doing, which mm. is why I think they're so popular. So any exercise that's decent, but you also enjoy is a good thing. And the other thing that's great with a hip thrust is that well, two things. Number one, because it loads the shortened position. So Basically, exercises that seem to be hardest when your muscles are contracting at the top generally seem to not create as much soreness the next few days. Mm -hmm. So if you want to try and increase training volume or frequency, doing exercise which train that shortened position more would probably be a better strategy. So that's why I like thrusting a fair few times a week versus, say, a heavy RDL holding a stretch. Then secondly, the hip thrust as well the benefit of hip thrust say over like a heavy deadlift is it's not really loading your spine. So there's going to be less um, like CNS central nervous system fatigue when you're not lowering um, loading up the spine as much. And so you're still able to get basically hip extension, which is a bridge padding without as much taxing, I guess, fatigue, systemic fatigue on the body. So that's why I think they're a good exercise, but, they're also probably, they're a fantastic exercise, but they're also probably overrated exercise just because I think what's coincidence. So often you see people say, well, look at people's glutes 15 years ago and then the hip thrust got invented and now look at people's glutes. 
But that's, uh, I think, uh, kind of a, a correlation over causation. So what's also happened with women's training? It's they, they were all women not doing hip thrust and all of a sudden just started only doing hip thrust. No, I think all women's glute training in general has dramatically improved. Technique has dramatically improved. Progressive overload principles have dramatically improved. So yes, hip thrust has brought a lot of people in, but how many women are just doing hip thrust? They're probably doing hip thrust among four or five other glute exercises. And then a lot of people then claim hip thrust is the key. Mm. It's like saying, hey, these days I'm finally losing weight and I'm now having a protein shake. But are you having a protein shake once a day and losing weight or are you eating a calorie deficit, eating mm. your protein from variety sources, your veggies, your fiber, and you're also having a protein shake. So that's the thing I think what you see with hip thrust is they're a great exercise, but they're also grossly kind of overrated for a standpoint of they just the key for women improving their glutes as you said there's and if you also look at the most exercises that seem to correlate with the best hypertrophy adaptations the ones which load the lengthened position not the shortened position Mm. um exercises that are more challenging in a stretch seem to be probably slightly a bit more effective in potentially hypertrophy adaptations so that doesn't mean the hip thrust is bad or, mm. you know, I use it all the time, but it's also something that should be complemented by many other great exercises. Yeah, for sure. So guys, I hope that you have found this episode helpful. I think the key takeaways really are just that, you know, Instagram is very much a highlight reel. And if you want to grow glutes, you one need to be supporting that through, you know, your nutrition and also having, you know, your really basic training methodologies. Don't get caught up in the fancy Instagram exercises that you do see because majority of the time, that's not what they're actually doing. Exactly right. And if you obviously want to learn and, you know, take your training to the next level, then make sure you go check out our program, your glute coach series, got glute coach one and two. And in your glute coach, we have, I think almost six hours of video education where I show you, it's not just about obviously just, you know, doing a squat or a deadlift or whatever it's how you execute and that's really what everything is about what we really try to push is yes you're doing a hip thrust great but are you doing perfectly to really really load your glutes optimally so cannot suggest obviously more highly trying to attack doing not only intelligent training but execution how you do these exercises really really matter and getting away from a lot of the crap you see out there to do the good things well and then sticking at them long term for sure so we'll catch you next week guys thank you thanks guys